You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Friday, April 2nd, and we are one day away from Gonzaga playing in the Final Four. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. We've got a loaded show for you today. Evan Miyakawa will join us, talk about his advanced analytics website and how Gonzaga is absolutely dominating it. And then at the end of the show, I will play my appearance on ESPN Radio in Waco, Texas. Uh, we talked about a bunch of different Final Four topics all relating to Gonzaga. So there's a bunch of good stuff coming your way today. But we start, like always, with some news and notes. Let's start with the coaching carousel. Chris Beard has left Texas Tech to go to Texas uh, when Shaka Smart has left Texas to go to Marquette. So Texas Tech is now without a coach. Um Chris Beard going over to Texas, and Gonzaga is actually scheduled to play both of those teams next season. They're supposed to start a home-and-home at Texas next year, and they're supposed to play Texas Tech on a neutral site, um, and both of those teams will have new coaches next year. The big news, obviously, is that Roy Williams has retired as North Carolina's head coach. Legendary coach, one of the best to ever do it, finished with 903 wins, nine Final Fours, three national championships, and uh, is an absolute legend in the coaching ranks. Of course, because there's an opening at North Carolina, Mark Few's name has been published on a lot of these different who North Carolina should reach out to. Um, I think the the short answer to that is no, and the long answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, If there's any difference in this one, it would be that he has a lot, a lot of respect for Roy Williams and a lot of respect for the North Carolina program, so he may give them at least uh, a courtesy call back just to talk about things. But Mark Few is not leaving Spokane, and he will retire at Gonzaga no matter what anybody else wants you to believe. The AP Coach of the Year was announced, and Jawan Howard from Michigan beat out Mark Few. I don't know how much more undefeated Mark Few could be to deserve uh, that award, and ultimately it, it really doesn't matter Um, I think he'll win the Naismith Coach of the Year, which is the more important award. And I don't think Mark Few gives two rats uh, about these awards. But if you're not going to give the undefeated coach the Coach of the Year award, like why are we giving out awards? Like what more could he have possibly done to deserve the award? And it's not like this team was uh, a finished product when the season started either. Like all of these players in this rotation – are in completely different roles than last season, right? They lost Philip Petrushev, they lost Killian Tilly, they lost Ryan Woolridge, they lost Admon Gilder. That's three starters and a sixth man. You bring in a true freshman. You've got a guy who wasn't eligible until the day before the season. You've got a guy coming off a shoulder injury. Like he worked in all of these new pieces into new roles in a global pandemic, went undefeated, blasted everybody, and for some reason wasn't enough to win AP Coach of the Year. Kind of weird to me. So this was kind of cool to see last night. The uh, three-on-three tournament is back. Uh, It's 16 teams this year with four seniors uh, on each team. And they've got conference affiliations. They play a bunch of three-on-three games. The winner goes home with $100,000. And they're bringing back some of last year's seniors who did not get the chance to play in the tournament. 
The WCC and Pac-12 team consists of Kyler Kelly from Oregon State, Ryan Betley from Cal, McKinley Wright from Colorado, and Admon Gilder from Gonzaga. All games are streamed live on Twitter. If you want to follow the Twitter account at 3x3uhoops. Uh, Gilder's team is going to play four games today. The tournament starts today. Uh, they'll play four games today. They'll play three on Saturday. And then the playoffs are on uh, Sunday um, with a bunch of playoff games. And the winner, like I said, goes home with $100,000. So good luck to Admon Gilder. Gonzaga baseball played last night. They took home a 9-0 victory over Pacific. I was in the building for this one. Alec Jacob was absolutely phenomenal on the mound. He threw eight scoreless innings, struck out 11, walked nobody. He's got some absolutely filthy stuff. Um, he struck out eight straight batters earlier this season as well. Um, he, so he bounced back from his performance against LMU where he had a rough seventh inning and gave up a few runs. Um, so he bounced back last night. Eight scoreless, 11 strikeouts. Gonzaga beat Pacific 9-0. Um, I think Jacob's got really, really elite off-speed stuff, and he mixes his deliveries and his arm slots so much that it reminds me of Johnny Cueto uh, of the San Francisco Giants. So kudos to Alec Jacob for his performance. Uh, Gonzaga is now 5-2 and two in WCC play, and they're one game behind San Diego in the loss column for first place in the WCC. Just a reminder... There is no WCC tournament this year, so the winner of the regular season gets that auto bid into NCAA Regionals. They'll play game two of their three-game series against Pacific tonight. Gabe Hughes will be on the mound for Gonzaga. Coming up, I chat with Evan Miyakawa to discuss Gonzaga's dominance in his analytics website and how exciting a national championship game with Baylor would be. But first, if you want to bet on any of the Final Four action, Coming up this weekend, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball, the NBA, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated props and odds on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKED ON. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now is Evan Miyakawa, creator of his advanced analytics site, EvanMia.com. Evan, before we get started, here's a background story for everyone. I found Evan's website last offseason when I was researching an article for uh, Gonzaga's Big Men and how Philip Petrushev and Drew Timmy did not play very well together defensively. And at the time, I thought the website was great because it had a bunch of individual player stuff that a lot of other analytics sites didn't have. So... Fast forward now, 10 months later, and your stuff is much more mainstream. You've gained quite the following, um, and the website continues to grow. So I guess all of that is kind of to ask this. How has the last six months been for you personally? Oh, I really appreciate it. Um, it's been really fun. This is the first season that I've had my analytics publicly available. I've got data going back several years, but, but this is the first time that I've really uh, tried to put it out there and the amount of engagement that I've gotten over the last six months has just been 
a real blessing, uh, certainly more than I was expecting, and just fans from all over the place, but a huge contingent of Gonzaga fans especially have just loved digging into the, the analytics, and I've really appreciated that from a fan base that really enjoys getting into the details and not just cheering on a good team, but understanding why they're so good, and it, it's been so much fun to track them this season, and so it's, it's always fun for me to talk about Gonzaga from an analytics perspective because they're just so special. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Um, you've got both team ratings and you've got player ratings. And the main metric you use is something called BPR. And Gonzaga is dominating on both the team front and the individual player front. Can you kind of explain what BPR is and how historic Gonzaga's performance is? Yeah, absolutely. So the simple way of thinking about it is it's kind of like Ken Palm, but for all players as well as teams. So at the team level, you've got similar things going on to what other people are doing. You've got tempo-free uh, metrics that are looking at efficiency on the offensive and defensive side at a per-possession basis. Another thing that's important as well for what I'm doing is I only look at uh, possessions that are not played in garbage time because I think that's just more helpful for a predictive standpoint to assess how good or how impactful a player or team is. And certainly for a team like Gonzaga, I think that's really important because they have a lot of games where, you know, a good portion of the end, uh, the outcome's already decided. And so, you know, certainly from a coaching perspective, it's important to play a whole 40 minutes. But when you're talking about trying to predict player success, team success going forward, I think it's more helpful to throw those out. And, you know, that really does help Gonzaga look even better, uh, especially this season. So that's an important thing. I think the big part that separates what I'm doing from other people uh, especially at the player level, is that I'm using uh, prior information for each team and each player uh, that kind of start as a starting point for assessing how good they are before we're actually looking at any of the actual uh, the actual impact metrics. So there's you've got historical data that that serves as kind of a prior starting point, you know, previous seasons, recruiting rankings, uh, but then also there's an emphasis on uh, both individual stats and then impact on team performance when we're looking at the player ratings level. And it's important to you know be able to adjust for the strength of all players in the courts because basically at the player level, my metric Bayesian performance rating is trying to quantify how impactful a player is when he's on the floor for his team. And so the, the biggest thing that it's looking at is for every single possession that that player plays – how well does the team do on each possession when he's in on both ends of the court? But of course, uh, it's really important to adjust for who he's playing against, not just the, the level of team, but even the specific players on the court faced. But then also teammates as well. It's important to adjust for, you know, if someone is playing all of their minutes with the star player, maybe he, you know, gets more credit in the plus minus than he should, or or maybe he always gets put in with the bench players and he's carrying the weight. You, you should adjust for that accordingly. So that's going on at every single play that's played across all of these D1 games. You're adjusting for the strength of all players. And then you've got both an individual uh, efficiency part of it that looks at a player's individual stats, but then you've also got the actual team impact metrics. How well does the team perform when he's on the court? So Bayesian performance rating tries to incorporate all of that stuff and ultimately spit out two numbers for each player and each team that talks about, you know, it's a rating on offense and defense, and then you can combine both of those to get their overall rating. So that's, that's a bit of a summary of how that's working, working across the board. And Gonzaga is dominating the team portion of that. And I believe you posted yesterday that their entire starting five, I think is five of the top seven or five of the top eight 
uh, players in the country, and that is pretty historic, is it not, for your five or it six is, years of data? It is wild. I've never seen this before, and it's possible we will never see this again. There are certainly some unique circumstances that might particularly lead to that this season. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga's success is the main thing, but, you know, Certainly, it's a little bit harder to quantify players and teams this year with the less non-conference games going on. Not that Gonzaga had a problem with that. They played plenty of good competition, and they smoked all of them. So, you know, not so much a problem for them. But So, at a team level, uh, they're first in offensive rating at my website, and fourth in defensive, which it's no surprise that their offense is the best in the nation. And, you know, Mark Few usually does that most years. He's at the top you know, top of the game in there, but their defense has been spectacular this year. And I think I was kind of expecting that to happen against USC. And that's certainly what led to their, their big win over USC was it started with the defense and that defense led to transition points, but, but their defense has been spectacular. I've only in the last five years, only Virginia in 2019 ended the season in top five in both offense and defense. So that's something that Gonzaga is doing right now that few teams ever do. They've averaged over, 1.1 points per possession on offense in every single game they played this year, which is just wild. And I mean, you know, they've played plenty of good teams. They've played, you know, 10 top 50 teams at my website, six top 25 teams. They've won all those games by double digits except for one. And then at the player level, they have five of the top seven players in the nation in terms of this impact rating that I have. And again, I'm not suggesting that they have like five of the seven most skilled or best players. It's a bit of a different conversation. But certainly from an impact perspective, they are just loaded and they don't have to rely on any one player uh, to to get them through any single game because they just have so many weapons and the way that they play offensively, you know, everyone's involved and you can't leave anyone open. It's just it's overwhelming for any any team. So, yeah, uh, at a player level, I mean, I think the best I've ever seen before this season for a given team was, I think, uh, Villanova in uh 2018 and they had they had five in the top 25 but but not anywhere near what we see from Gonzaga right now this season so yeah what they're doing from a player level and a team level it's just uh it's unmatched really you're I believe completing your PhD over at Baylor right now and I'm sure you follow them very closely and I know you've been following Gonzaga the same way it feels like pretty much everybody has wanted that Gonzaga-Baylor National Championship game all season. How excited would you be from, A, a basketball fan perspective, but B, an analytical perspective if we got that game? Uh, I mean, I've been wanting that all season, and I really, really hope, you know, obviously as a as a Baylor fan myself, I, I hope we get that game. But regardless of whether I was a fan of Baylor or not, this would be a, just an incredible game of basketball. You know, with that being said, Gonzaga has started to separate themselves from Baylor. You know, there's been an argument all season long about – Gonzaga and Baylor being in their own tier, which one's better? But I think we've started to see some clear separation from Gonzaga recently. And now, if they were to play Baylor tomorrow on a neutral court, uh, I would give them around a 72% chance of beating Baylor based on what my model's spitting out, uh, which is a lot higher than I think what we might have thought earlier in the season. And certainly the way that they've played in this tournament so far, you know, I think Gonzaga would still be a comfortable favorite in that game. Uh, But yeah, I mean, those have been the best two teams all season uh, when you look at the whole body of work. And so I would absolutely love to see that game happen. Very good. Evan, I appreciate your time. Keep up the good work. Thanks for coming on the show. Enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks again to Evan for his time. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Evan Mia. That's at Evan M-I-Y-A, at Evan Mia.
Uh, one of the features that we didn't get to discuss in the interview, but I'll discuss it right now that I really love about his site is something called the team breakdown tool. And you could just get absolutely lost in it in the best way possible. Uh, but one of the things that it shows is how many possessions a certain duo or a certain five-man lineup has played together this season and then what their efficiencies are both offensively and defensively. So for Gonzaga, their two most popular groupings this year are, as you could probably imagine, the two starting lineups from throughout the season. So Suggs, Ayayi, Kispert, and Timmy, and then the fifth guy is either Watson or Nemhard. If you remember, Watson started most of the season to start, and then about halfway through, Nemhard took over. So those are the two uh, most popular five-man groupings from the year. What I found interesting is that their most efficient offensive five-man lineup this season is actually when Jalen Suggs is on the bench. So their best five-man efficiency lineup on offense is Nemhard, Ayayi, Kispert, Watson, Timmy. And then on the other side of the ball, their super, super small ball lineup of Suggs, Nemhard, Ayayi, Kispert, and Watson, that is their most efficient defensive lineup. So an interesting website to, to just completely get lost in. If you're a fan of numbers like I am, uh, you, can sp- you can spend many, many minutes uh, going through a whole bunch of stuff. And those are the kinds of things that I just mentioned uh, that you could really dive into with Evan's website. All right, coming up next, I joined Garrett Ross from Locked on Baylor. Uh, and we talked about a bunch of Gonzaga-related topics for his ESPN radio show in Waco, Texas. And then after that, we're going to wrap up the show with one final word on Gonzaga's Final Four showdown with UCLA. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and we are in the process of crowning a champion, or as we like to call it, a chomp in the title game features cookie dough chunk going against coconut brownie chunk say that again it's cookie dough chunk going against coconut brownie chunk go to builtbar.com or go to at bar underscore built on twitter to find out who gets crowned the best tasting protein bar and remember to use the promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your next order that's lock 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com Football fans, are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're joined now by Stephen Carr from Locked On Zags podcast. Stephen, good good afternoon. We appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing terrific. I, okay, so we were just talking about this uh, during the break. H- have they been tested at all this year? <laughs> uh, they were tested against BYU uh, in the sense that they had some real game pressure. Uh, BYU went up double digits on them. They were shooting the lights out. I think they're up 12 at halftime. Uh, and then they took Gonzaga's best punch to start that second half. Gonzaga ended up tying the game. And then BYU responded, and they went up by eight uh, with about eight minutes to go. Um, and I think people forget that Gonzaga was actually down. It's not like they came back and then took over the game altogether. They were down eight with eight minutes to go in that game and had to respond again. And then Jalen Suggs hit the two big threes that ended up giving them the win. So 
outside of probably December when they faced West Virginia, really the only time they've been tested in a true game sense where they had to, you know, make plays down the stretch was that BYU game in the WCC championship. Now, now, I'm not penciling Baylor into the championship, and I'm not penciling Gonzaga into the championship, but if it happens to be, I'm kind of glad now that they didn't play earlier in the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily a blessing in disguise, but it could be a blessing in disguise because we don't know how the two teams have fared against each other. Uh, it's the game that everybody has wanted, it seems like, since the start of the year. They've been one and two. I don't really care what the rankings say. I think Michigan may have passed Baylor at some point uh, when they were on pause, but they've been the best two teams all season. I think they match up really, really well against each other, um, and I think it would be one of the more anticipated national championship games in quite a while. Steven, uh, to me, Gonzaga has kind of been the standard of basketball, standard of college basketball on the West Coast for about a decade now. How fitting is it for them to have to go through a program like UCLA and all the accomplishments they've been able to achieve to have an opportunity to win a championship? Yeah, I think it's fitting. And I think one of the, the main memories that a lot of fans still have of Gonzaga is losing to UCLA in 2006 when Adam Morrison was crying on the floor. Mm-hmm. So um, I know they already beat them once in the tournament since then in 2015, but people kind of forget about that game because that tournament was – uh, I mean, Gonzaga got to the Elite Eight in that tournament, but that tournament was with Kentucky going undefeated and then losing to Wisconsin, who ended up losing to Duke. So that Gonzaga story when they got to the Elite Eight was blown by so many different things. Um, so to get by UCLA with all of their history and then to get by UCLA to kind of exercise that uh, Adam Morrison demon, if you will, uh, would be pretty big for them. How did Mark Few get Drew Timmy to leave the de- leave Texas and come to Gonzaga? Uh, it's a good question. They've kind of developed a Texas pipeline over the last uh, three or four years now. They've gotten a couple grad transfers from Texas. Ryan Woolridge was from North Texas. Uh, Admon Gilder transferred in from Texas A&M. Drew Timmy came in from uh, Texas as well. So I think that they've just got that Texas pipeline going, uh, which, you know, if they can get another part of the country uh, to get, you know, four- and five-star recruits from, they're going to continue to be at this elite level. Talking with Stephen Carr from my Locked On Zags podcast. And, and Stephen, some people, fair or unfair, some people, and some in this room, questioned Gonzaga because of the the conference in which they played. Didn't know that it was, if it was, if, you know, it was that a fair judgment of them early in the season to say, hang on, I'm not sure that they're the best team in the country because they played they didn't play in that power five type league. Clearly, was unfair on 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 Garrett's part, wasn't it? Oh, that wasn't me. That wasn't, <laughs> oh, it wasn't me. You okay? Sorry, it was me. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, they. they yeah, pe- I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, Gonzaga has as as they've outgrown the WCC, and they're clearly better than pretty much every team in there on a year to year basis, and it'd be great. Like last year, BYU was probably a top five seed in the tournament. St. Mary's was probably a top eight seed in the tournament. That's as top heavy as it's been in, in maybe forever. Um, but the middle of the pack has gotten a lot better, and the bottom of the league has gotten a lot better. The problem is that Gonzaga is the top five team in the country. So, you know, when they're facing teams that are, you know, good mid-major teams, they're still facing teams that are, you know, 75 to 100 in the net. So they're beating teams that they should beat, but they're beating them by 30, sometimes by 40. <laughs> yeah. But you look at it, it's like, well, they're just beating WCC schools. It's like, yeah, but, you know, they're good schools. 
Um, and like, if you compare them to, like, if you want to use a Big Twelve school for example, like Kansas State and Iowa State, like in the net and in Ken Palm, like those are, you know, fifth or sixth in the WCC. So it'd be like the equivalent of beating a Kansas State or an Iowa State all the time by you know twenty five, thirty points. That's very interesting. Uh, do, do you expect Corey Kispert to light UCLA up? I mean, he kind of, by his standards, he had an off night against USC. Right, and he kind of, to be honest, it feels like he's had an off night the last three games. He played really, really well in the first-round game against uh, Norfolk State, but um, he's been fairly quiet, and you look up and he's still averaging like 17 or 18 points in this tournament. But they, he kind of took a back seat in the Oklahoma game to Drew Timmy, who had a career-high 30, and they took a back seat in the Creighton game to Joel Eyei and Andrew Nemhard. And Doug McDermott, after the game, literally came out and said, our goal was to take away Corey Kispert, and it was to take away Jalen Suggs. And for the most part, they did that. Corey Kispert only had one field goal attempt at halftime. Creighton still gave up 43 points and was down 10. So uh, it, it, you can take away Corey Kispert if you want to take away Corey Kispert. They've got six other guys that can beat you. So if they, UCLA is probably going to want to take away Drew Timmy just because he's been an absolute animal the first four games of the tournament. So if they try to take away Drew Timmy, that leads to kickouts and Corey Kispert coming off of a poor shooting night, maybe due for a big one on Saturday against UCLA. North Carolina, Roy Williams has uh, has resigned, and I here we go. Immediately, there's a top five list or top six list, and Mark Few's name was on that list. When Gonzaga fans see that, do they look at that as as a compliment to to the program and to the school, or or do they get a little upset? Hey, quit picking on our guy. We we're we're not giving him up. Well, I think they certainly take it as a compliment, uh, but I think at this point, every time they see Mark Few on one of these lists, they kind of just laugh because there's, there's just no way he's leaving. Um, and he's basically said that. I think this one is just slightly different in a way because he's such good friends with Roy Williams and he has such a respect for North Carolina. If they call, he might take the call and at least talk about it. But there's, just, there's no way he's leaving this program at this point uh, at, at the level that it's been uh, grown to. When you look at that game that they played against USC, I thought Few did a, a really good job of adjusting to the zone and putting Jalen Suggs at the post position. Is that something they've done with him in the past, or was that one of those just those things where you see the you see the right fit and you make that adjustment on the fly? Yeah, so they they didn't really play a whole lot against zone in the regular season. Uh, when they did, it was against Iowa back in December. Uh, and they kind of rotated who was in that high post spot. They used Joel Ayayi a lot there. Um, and in this game, they re- kind of rotated. Nemhard played there a little bit. Suggs, obviously, like you said, played there. And Ayayi played there. Um, it's just part of kind of their motion offense against zone. They use this zone overload, kind of get somebody into that high post. And they just have so many different playmakers that can make the right decision when they get into that spot. Uh, and you saw Suggs do it multiple times in that game. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely part of their game plan. Uh, going into that game. Stephen Carr, we appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks to Garrett and his crew for having me on in Waco, Texas. Some final words on the UCLA game. To put simply, I think Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard and Jaime Jaquez all need to score 20 points for UCLA to have a chance in this game. They've got to control pace of game like crazy. I think if they were smart 
Um, they would go back and try to figure out what St. Mary's did in that 2019 WCC title game when they upset Gonzaga 60 to 47. The problem is I don't think that this team is capable of scoring below 70 points on their worst possible night. And I don't really expect a worst possible night against this UCLA group. Um, nobody in the tournament has been able to stop Drew Timmy. And I don't think Cody Riley is going to become the first guy to do so. Corey Kispert, he's coming off a poor shooting night. It's probably due for a good game. Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhard both have uh, large size advantages over Tiger Campbell. And on the other side of the ball, Gonzaga just has a ton of bodies that they can throw at Johnny Juzang to slow him down and force just other scoring options for UCLA. So if we're being completely honest, I don't see a legitimate path to victory for UCLA that just doesn't involve, you know, massive, massive foul trouble. But, you know, they beat Alabama, who's a top five defense, and they upset Michigan, who's probably one of the more balanced teams in the country. So you can't count them out. Um, But I would just be extremely, extremely surprised if this were a single-digit game at any point in the final 10 minutes. Regardless of what happens, I believe the plan will be to have some sort of late-night podcast up Saturday after the game. Uh, You can listen to it, you know, late, late Saturday night if it's up in time, or you can listen to it Sunday uh, during the off day. And then we're going to have a national championship game preview pod on Monday, God willing, um, so you can look forward to that. Thanks again to Evan Miyakawa for his time. You can follow him on Twitter at Evan Mia. Don't forget, you can follow and rate Locked on Zags wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like it, feel free to leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Cargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. Enjoy your Friday. For those of you in Indianapolis watching the Final Four in person, number one, I'm very jealous. Number two, have an awesome time. For the rest of us watching at home, let's have just as much fun. See you back here Saturday night, and always remember, it is a great day to be a Zag.